Oh, what are you drinking, Buzz? I'm on water just to stay awake. Are you still on water after our trip to the Grand Prix? Oh, God, no. no? I, I've oh, okay. recovered from that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I wasn't uh, sure maybe if we broke you a little bit, Phil, when we were around <laughs> Montreal. <laughs> no, no, no. It wasn't that. It wasn't fun enough for that. Come on. I still have half a dozen overpriced Canadian Grand Prix Heinekens in the fridge downstairs, but I'm... <laughs> Nine dollars a can. Nine dollars a three fifty-five mil can. I'm drinking some sparkling water right now because it's better than Heineken. <laughs> I would like to say for the listener out there, one of the the great Grand Prix hacks that I think we had or we did we used right effect was yeah the the beers cost nine dollars and there's nothing you can do about that. But they seem very unconcerned about how many they will sell you at a time. So we were By just buying boxes of them. Yeah, just buying yeah. a case. Yeah. And then taking the case and cooling them down as we went. I thought it was way better than getting in line every 30 minutes. Well, it, it saved the walk. I mean, let's be honest, right? You know? It saved the walk. It saved the uh, time. And I think I need to e-transfer yeah. you 60 bucks for those uh, Heinekens in the fridge, Spence. Yeah, I think I, think I used some money for those too. Sorry, man. Hold on, get on top of that. I think we all do. <laughs> And it's lights out on another episode of Flippin' F1, where, of course, the circuit finds its way all the way back home to its original starting place, that lovely, lovely Mecca of Mechanics, Great Britain, where the track finds itself at Silverstone. We had a crazy good race. This was actually one where I don't actually think that there was a boring middle part. There was just all kinds of things on the go. So I'm not even going to do my usual intro of things that might have happened we're just gonna say hi to the panel professor what's going on excited to be here happy to be recording again yeah it was a fantastic race i'm looking forward to debriefing it with the whole of you yeah it's been a little bit of a hiatus we might have to figure out how to go back and do some things but yeah we'll get it done ironically we were all together for the race in montreal and somehow did not manage to record this thing it was great <laughs> <laughs> spence blames the traffic because i do believe there was one point where he sat on a bus pretty much walking distance from my hotel for a good part of an hour. No, so there's many things that I blame. Traffic is not one of them. So I, I blame Gareth because he went to bed. I think at one point I just fell asleep. And then I also blame, I think, some sunstroke. I was feeling really badly after the end of the Grand Prix to the point where I was praying to the porcelain gods in my hotel room. Uh, it's been suggested to me that, that may have been the 35,000 Heineken I had, but I think it was probably... I don't know if it was the undercooked hot dogs or those ribs that I had, but one of them just did not sit well. <laughs> oh, those ribs were something. Spence, how are we doing this week? Doing good. Man, what a race. I think after the race, I consumed every single bit of other content on it I could find. I think I watched every single video on YouTube about how Ferrari screwed that up for Charles. Just what a race. So, so interesting. I think someone already said it. There was no traditional boring middle bit in this race. Like There was always something that I was keyed into. I love it. Gareth, you're up for this one. How are you doing this week? All good. Like Spence, I've consumed every bit of content I can, but I haven't actually had time to rewatch the race, which I think we all need to do. It was so good. Yes, I think so. It was that good. I think certainly you need to rewatch the last 10 minutes of the race in sort of everybody's camera. Everybody's I think camera. I woke up the entire town was again Ontario for how loud I was screaming. That was just wild. Like literally three-word race for you is very, very simple. Like, I know we stole that from somebody else, but honestly, the only three words I'm going to remember from this British Grand Prix is, and through goes Hamilton. Like, just so much fun. Just so much fun. All of that. It's good times. Let's talk about this circuit, Bill. Tell us a little bit about Silverstone and why it's special. 
I mean, as you said when we started off, it's the historic circuit. This is where Formula One really started or got into its kicks of sort of a world championship uh, along the sets. The, the circuit itself has gone through a lot of changes over the years, but it's got a lot of history there. It's built on an old World War II airfield, and that means there's a lot of fun names like maggots and beckets and cops and chapel and, and abbey and things like that. Luffield, if you can remember those ones. I always get them confused as to which ones are going where because I still remember the start-finish line at the end of Luffield, not where it's now. So <laughs> it, it can be sometimes sitting there, and they're going around Luffield. I'm like, yeah, it's almost... No, it's not the nope, end of the lap. They've, <laughs> still got a, they've still got half a lap to go. So it's a fun track. I mean, the teams are all based very close for the most part to the circuit. So they know the circuit incredibly well. They do a lot of filming days here, and it's the sort of home of most of the teams of Formula One. And for that reason, I think it's very special for them. McLaren, for example, had pretty much the entire organization out for a grid walk type scenario on the Thursday. So, yeah, there's a lot of fun. It's a great circuit. Lots of nice, fast straights and some fun corners to add into the mix. Well, let's get into that, Stacks. Let's talk the tech stuff, right? Car setup. Like, How does this track sort of compare to what we've seen for the last few races for newer fans. We have a permanent circuit for once. We've been on temporary circuits, sort of Monaco, Baku, Canada. So you've actually got a circuit that the cars stick to better. Let's call it that. Fewer bumps, fewer gophers, manhole covers, what have you. And Phil mentioned some of the great curves, maggots, backups, these best turns in Formula One. So you do need a very balanced car setup. You need both good mechanical and aerodynamic grip, but there's three different straights on it that the names change all the time. I think one's named after Phil's favorite driver, Lewis Hamilton. So there's straights, there's high speed corners. Get to that later. Very high speed corners. So you got to balance everything. And from a technical perspective, this was also the first kind of big European race as they go in the European leg of the summer. So everybody, I think our Haas brought upgrades to the track this week. So everybody had new floors, new engine covers, new side pods, new are we going to imitate Ferrari or Red Bull parts? So let's talk about that a little bit, right? Because Floors was the talk of the town for Tech Thursday, right? I mean, everybody had put on new floors. It seems to be a whole thing. And then there was also an FIA regulation on it. So kind of the uh, talk of the town is, if you remember Flexi Wings, now we're into Flexi Floors, which is how much does your floor, which is this large bit of carbon fiber that's shaped to make Venturi's so downforce, blah, blah, blah. How much does it flex under load? And is it flexing too much? Because if it flexes too much, you might have an advantage as there's more aerodynamic load on the floor to give you more downforce or less drag on the straights, depending on how you play your flex. And how springy are your springs on the floor? Because there's actually a giant spring on the floor that makes the floor bounce up and down when they bump over the curbs. So that is all going on right now. And we saw in the race, if your floor goes wrong, i.e. you get a piece of another team's car stuck in it, you can really get screwed up. Max Verstappen got part of Alpha Tauri, which is ironic, Red Bull on Red Bull, stuck in his car and he thought he had punctured tires. The car was broke. It turns out he just lost a million points in downforce, which is why he finished down in seventh. There was all kinds of talk about floors and what was going on and floor regulations. I figured it would be kind of one of those things that, especially if you're new to the sport, you came in through Drive to Survive. Like, that'd be one of those things that I would be asking, like, why are they talking about the floors? Like, isn't it just a floor? I mean, that's the whole sport, right? It's the biggest engineering competition in the world. Spence, why would we visit Silverstone outside of the obvious, it being such a classic race? I mean, did you see the folks on the track after the race? It looked absolutely, I did, but our listeners may not have. It looked, it looked absolutely crazy. I, I, it just seems like they say it's the biggest sporting event in the UK. 
right? And I believe it. They were saying there was 400,000 people there over the weekend. He said people just, they were there for the weekend. They were partying. There was a ton of people that seemed to be camping in the fields nearby. That might be a little too wild for us at this stage of our lives, but some people were having an awful lot of fun there. Believe it or not, Spence, you can buy fancy tents that are fully serviced so you can find something that matches your level of wildness. And I think, Spence, I mean, we've proven we can sustain the weather onslaught that comes at a Grand Prix. We did have British weather at the Canadian Grand Prix. Oh, yeah, we almost survived it. I believe it's possible <laughs> that we left before Quali on the Saturday because we were just weren't <laughs> having too much fun out there in the rain. I'm going to deny that all the way through. Okay, all right. <laughs> I figured the $2 ponchos did their job. You're welcome. Oh my God, those $2 ponchos, I would have paid 100 bucks for them if they were selling them on Saturday and I didn't have one. They were awesome. <laughs> I think that was the idea. They were selling for, what, 35 bucks or something like that at the track. It was hilarious. Something ridiculous. But back to Silverstone, one other thing that we saw on the overhead shots is you can come and be a fan of Silverstone, and there's massive grassy areas where they just let people rock up and pitch up their lawn chairs. They're not trying to shove you in, like, three different dirt patches like Canada is. Yeah. And if you're bold enough, you can even get on the track and stand in the middle of the track during the race. That's only if you've got something really important to say. All right, so can I get my tinfoil hat on about this for a second here? Because (laughs) I went back and watched some of the onboards for, admittedly, not every driver, but several of the drivers after the first red flag, like when these idiots jumped on the track. And I did not hear any of the drivers actually mention the fact that there were a lot of people on the track. And I'm not sure if that was just something they somehow expected and weren't that fussed by it. Or if it's a case that Liberty and the folks running F1 kind of went back and edited some of the radio feed that we could get through F1 TV for those cars at that point. So we didn't hear what the drivers were saying about it. I don't know. If anyone can point me to an onboard feed of a driver actually discussing it, I'd love to see it. But I didn't see one. I mean, I barely caught it. I was following you on Twitter as I watched the race and somebody had posted that up. And I sent it to you guys. And I didn't send it until I had it from three sources me being the proper journalist I am. But it's just kind of one of those things. But I was, is this actually happening? It's wild. All right. So, Eric, play the clip. Bingo! That's right. It's time for everybody's favorite game, yours, mine, and everybody else's, all three of you that listen. Box, 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 bingo. Of course, there are nine boxes. We make our impressively bad prognostications, and we see if anybody's actually able to get a line on the board this week. We moved things around. We moved a couple of boxes so that there was better possibility or better probability. I had somebody who was a math expert and they were like, well, there's no way the way it's set up that somebody's going to get Bingo. So you got to move things around. I don't think they helped. I'm just going to say. I don't imagine that, that we're good <laughs> enough to have gotten it right anyways, but let's get into it. Box one, quality grid. That was a great quality. Guys, what do you think? Yeah, fantastic quality. I mean, it, yeah, I mean, look, anytime we're going to do quality in the wet, I think we saw in Canada as well, like quality in the wet. Love it. Wonderful. Except if we're sitting there getting rained on. Yeah. But it throws up the uh, big surprises. Yeah. I mean, a lot happened there that I did not expect. I mean, I got to say it. I got to say it for you, Spence. NL6 through to P10. Wow. I mean, look, who had <laughs> Nikki going into <laughs> Q3 this week? I mean, that's just absolutely insane. I mean, the weather is also the great equalizer, right? I mean, it shows that despite the fact that he's had an absolutely dreadful, horrible, awful, no good, very bad year, 
the guy can drive a bit, right? Like he's got some two years. Still, last year he was pretty good. I thought. Oh, I thought he was. He wasn't. Still, look, he deserved that seed and merit this year. I thought, but anyway. For hey, our new listeners, by the way, we're talking about hometown hero, at least our hometown hero, Nikki Latifi, who drives for Williams, whose spectacular, spectacular record of mediocrity this weekend was almost completely erased by getting into Q3 of qualifying. That's good times. I was cheering for you there, Spence. Yeah, look, I thought it was a great performance by him. He backed it up by having, I will say, a reasonable race. Like, obviously, that car was way out of position, being as high as eighth on the uh, second start. So, I mean, you know what? He, he did what he could. Bravo to him. He, he uh, finally breaks those of the P16 streak or whatever it was that he had. And yeah, look, he wasn't last on the road. So I take it as a bit of a victory. I don't know. Anyways, let's get back to the boxes. Box one, quality grid. How'd you do, Spence? Box one? I nailed it. Only one of the four of us to call signs on pole for his first pole. Vamos. Vamos. Yes, I had signs. I had Leclerc. I had Verstappen. I had Hamilton. The only one that I missed in the top five was I had Russell instead of Perez. I really thought that uh, Merck was going to take a big step forward this weekend, and they did. But yeah, just just missed there. So I had four of the five. Anytime you say, <laughs> I nailed it, I am glad you're not my carpenter. Yeah. Because you always just miss. <laughs> look, look, hey, hey, we know he's not going to have a profession like that for a while. I had four of the five plus I had called science poll. I think that's clearly <laughs> the best performance out of anyone else here. Tell me I'm wrong. But four of a five doesn't make the win. You get credit for getting four out of five. You know what? Because you, you finally called signs on poll after a few of us were putting in there all year, I'll give you the box. Awesome. Thank you. All right, fine. I'll give you the box. I'll let you have it. <laughs> sure. Why not? Why not? being generous today. How'd you do, Gareth? Oh, horrible. I really figured that the Mercs brought some upgrades. It looks like they brought them even closer to Ferrari Verstappen. I thought George Russell was going to pull out some British Grand Prix home magic, and he was going to stick it on pole. Didn't happen. Too bad. Then I got four out of five as well. I just didn't get them in the right order. You got three out of five, but we'll give it to you. Yeah, you know what? I nailed it. I'm only off by <laughs> one or two. <laughs> great, great. We're getting worse at this game rather than better. Awesome. Bill, as you do. I got four out of five. I didn't expect Science to get it on pole. I thought it was going to be Verstappen, followed by Leclerc and Perez, and Science holding up at the rear of those four people. And then I thought Russell was going to sort of bring his magic to the game and put that in the fifth. Didn't happen. It ended up being Hamilton instead, begrudgingly. I'll, I'll give it to him. Yeah, that's fair. I, too, did not call Perez, so I also got four out of five. But, man, it was pretty unexpected, you know. From the way he'd been driving in practice, I thought I had this thing nailed. And then all of a sudden, just was not there. I don't know what happened. Wasn't there when he needed it. Exactly. Leclerc screwed up. Verstappen screwed up by his yellow flags and signs came up the middle to uh, take it, which is, as the Ferrari number two driver, that's exactly what he's got to be doing. He's got to be stealing those points and those positions when uh, the other two ahead of him don't show up. Yep. All right. Let's look at bottom five grids. So just for our listeners who have listened to maybe one or two more episodes of this, we've changed it from bottom five folly to bottom five grid because the lawyers in this group kept hammering me on classified versus grids. So we've now cleared that up. So how'd it go, Spence? As with the first box, nailed this one too. In that I had four <laughs> out of five. Uh, so, I mean, look, I think... Completely the wrong order, but that's okay. Yeah, Relatively yeah. speaking, my performance was the strongest, and I will therefore take the point. But I had both Haas. I had Schumacher and Magnussen. I had Alvin and Stroll. 
And unfortunately, I didn't have faith that my guy, Nicky Latifi, was going to pull out a Q3 performance. I also had him in my bottom five. But you know what? The other four, the two Haas and the, the Williams and the Aston Martin, you know, nailed it. I'm sorry, your failure to back your boy, Nick Latifi, who you put last, as we all do every week. That really disqualifies you from <laughs> points here. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I, I think I did super worse because I actually had Sunauda in this bottom five. I just did not think he was going to get there. But yeah, he did all right. So I don't know if you can say you did super worse because I'm pretty confident I am the one that did horrible. I only had Latifi and Stroll in the bottom five. I thought for sure Sunauda and Gasly Guys, who had the best performance in this box and therefore the points? No, it doesn't count. You don't win it because you had the best performance. Dude, horse use, hand grenades, and shit fights. Close does not count otherwise. This happens nice all choice. the time. I, I, am, I am dominating <laughs> this game. And I never get the points. You're play. not like, dominating. Oh, my God. Yeah. We've had a reversal of fortunes this year. Last year, it was Gareth stealing everything. I feel like you need to draw a cartoon of Spence at the hall just with a big sign that says, Bing! <laughs> 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 that's actually a great analogy it's called bingo not bing nobody got that box <laughs> yeah nobody got that box that didn't happen let's go to race finishers box five bottom five finishers how did we do over here i mean this was a great race so we really only got 14 cars that classified mm -hmm. well as you say it's like there's 14 classified cars magnuson stroll latifi who somehow managed to get into the bottom five with all that he'd done ricardo and sunoda finish it off. So Phil, why don't you start us off? Because you got at least one of them. I got three of them, actually. I got Ricardo, Latifi, and Stroll in my bottom five. I also had Vettel and Sonoda in there. Actually, I had Sonoda as well. Look at that. I have four. I can't oh, do math. Don't put me in charge of finances. And Phil gets the bing on this box. It looks I get like. the bing, but no O. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did not do as well on this one. I had uh, Latifi and Stroll. That would be about yet. Albin wasn't a classified finisher, so he's out. I also had Vettel and Mick, who happily, neither one of them were in the bottom five classified finishers. So I had two, not my best. Yeah. And Vettel's actually the reason why I don't win that box. If he would have just swapped places with Magnuson, I would have been in. I think he was too busy paying attention to what was going on with Mick. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in a second. Stacks? Ah, you know, I got three out of five. So that's a BI and half of an M. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? I was confident Albin wouldn't be punted into a wall by Sam Vettel and then have the everybody hit Alex Albin show. And that happened. But, Jesus, that was something. Uh, <laughs> quite a hit he took. He did take quite a hit. Quite, yeah, quite a hit. Like Every new piece of body work on that Williams is broken. But in my heart of hearts, I knew Danny Rick was going to bid it. And Nick Latiti is the basement lad. He's going to be starting the top 10 and finish in the bottom five. So there we go. No points for me, but at least Mick Schumacher proved me wrong. No points. Happy. Yeah, that was exciting seeing Mick Shu do his thing. I did think Latifi also was going to drop. I think we had a side bet on how many places <laughs> Nicky would drop in the first lap. I don't know how we did on that, Spence. We did poorly because we did poorly. Yeah, yeah I said right. he was going to lose four spots. I looked at it. You said he was going to lose six spots, and he actually gained two. Like he jumped no, everyone good. at the start. Yeah. So I mean, Long actually, technically, in the first lap of the race, nobody gained any places because they got reset because they hadn't crossed the safety car right. two line. Settle down. You know what I mean. <laughs> you know what I mean. Of course. <laughs> Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. So nobody gets those boxes, which means let's just talk about the race in general. 
I mean, we asked who's on fire, and you called it, Phil. It was an Alfa Romeo. I should get that one box for sure. I mean, come on. I mean, that wasn't a fire, but I called Alfa Romeo as a big incident. And that was an understatement, to be honest. It was a con- complete and utter understatement. That was a horrific accident to that see was that. Terrible. And I've watched like so it. many of the clubs to see it play back and everything like that. My only question is, the Halo was introduced, what, five years ago, six years ago? Something along those lines. The roll bar that's on top of the car was introduced some 20 plus years ago, and it was non-existent by the time the car came to a dead stop. There are some very interesting articles about what happened to the roll hoop, which is the structure that you might see if you look at the car and there's usually a hole in it for air intake. And that's actually structure. It's supposed to keep the car from basically skidding along on the roll hoop. And it's also supposed to actually flip the car back over onto its wheels. It's supposed to always kind of tip the car to one side or the other. It's pointy, like top of Randy's head. Then the wheels will dig in and it'll go back on its wheels. And it just ground right off by the looks of it. Ground to nothingness. It was fortunate for Zoe. He is a smaller guy. And if that would have been somebody like George Russell, it would have been his helmet on the floor. I don't think the helmets stick up above the top of the halos. No, not above. Yeah, but George's, you got to look at where that was ground down. Yeah, it, I mean, the halo lost a lot of metal. So very fortunate there. Apparently, the Alfa Romeo halo, it's what's called a blade type. Because you can either do a yeah. halo that has like a pair of horseshoes or this really strong blade. It passed all the crash tests. But something the FIA is definitely looking at, apparently. Yeah. I mean, this is like twice this weekend that Halo saved somebody's life. Yeah, like well. it, it's an F2 race. Another car ended up on top of each other. And sure enough, like the Halo is right there to keep the driver safe. And body was, wow. Well, it would be uh, a very much more somber podcast had Halos not existed. Well, had Halo not existed, had that crash months not been set up the way it was to so like, the car literally lands between, like it went over the tire barrier, hits the crash fence, and then land kind of just stays there in between the two things. In the, yeah. And um, you could see, like, there were people like behind that fence, and there were marshals that got out of the way because they were standing kind of there. Like, it was like nothing short of a miracle that nobody got hurt. Well, in the like, fan was, videos of people in the grandstands who were sitting there who took the videos, like, it's just, it's insane. Like, that car was coming right at them. I really don't know if that fence is meant to withstand a full impact from a car like that. Yes, it is. I think we're extraordinarily lucky. I mean, to have a full car hit that high up on the fence going at that speed, like it's very improbable that that would ever happen. Like that fence, like there's a video that I think I sent you guys earlier that shows how far the fence bent back towards the front of the grandstand, like. We're extremely lucky someone was not injured there. Like it was, it was way too close for comfort. Yes, it was. And but why the catch fences are as strong as they are and tall as they are because people have died, marshals, TV crew, because the fences haven't been strong enough or tall enough. So I know the GPDA and George Russell's going on about this. Like they're going to look at, okay, what about that space between the barrier? I think Joe got extremely lucky that he landed wheels first into the fence and then went straight down versus landing like halo side into the fence and going straight down or landing sideways and going down on top of the halo so it's very much something that the fia i'm sure will be looking at and we shouldn't have freak accidents like this where you have to say oh geez let's get into this though right i mean i obviously read a lot since then and consumed a whole bunch like you guys around this thing 
Because I had been wondering, like, how did this thing get caused in the first place? Like, I mean, I know somebody hit somebody and then somebody hit somebody else. And it really looks like it was George in the middle of this thing on fairly cold hard tires that just is out of place in the first no, place. and doesn't really like... Well, it's open wheel cars touching tires and you get launched. Series of unfortunate sequences really more than anything when you look at it. Gasly sort of hunted Russell a little bit in the, in the back end. And, and then that Russell hunted. touched Joe's wheel and he launched Joe Such, like from like one yeah. back corner, which put him up and sideways and basically kind of pogoed. Which again, though, right? Like if cold tires are the issue here, or at least one of the key issues here, we know we're about to lose the blankets, right? So tires aren't going to be up to do any kind of temp on a standing start. Do we risk a lot of this? Or is it just because everybody's tires are cold, everybody's going to have the same... It had nothing to do with tires. This was just, I think, George moving over when he wasn't sure what was in his periphery, I think, right? And Pierre Gasly going for a gap that disappeared because George moved over. Well, yeah, I was going to say it disappeared because George moved over, but by the time he moved over to cover it, like there's a car there, right? This, this is a classic start line incident. Yeah, it's a racing incident for sure. If you were saying like, who should have like a majority? It's listed or, on know, the red flag leaderboard. I'm just going to list the bottom 10 on the grid. <laughs> no, no, that, I mean, that, that's not at all what I was asking. No, no, I, I Literally, this to me was about, I kept hearing analysis that this was about George's tires not being anywhere near the window for a proper start. Well, okay, but so George got swallowed up on a start because he was on cold tires, right? And I think he saw Latifi go through the gap, right? Latifi just overtook him right away. And then he moved over to cover so that no one else could do the same thing to him. And when he did, Gasly was already there. He like hits Gasly, it sends him off to kilter a bit, and he went into Joe, and then we know how it finished from there. But uh, I, I don't think it's, it's not the tires. It was just, I think, probably poor situational awareness, which don't get me wrong. I don't know how those guys do it at all with everything that goes on in the start of a race, but I would tend to point the finger at that more than well, it's a tire temperature issue. It's the fluke of starting a race. And when we think about this, I mean, we've had a few instances at starts of races over the years, nothing to do with tires. It has to do with, you've got 20 cars trying to go through these gaps to make that first corner. And the classic one was actually the year after the halo was introduced and Alonso sitting on top of Kimi Raikkonen's head or vice versa, I can't remember which way it went, at Belgium, right? This happens. These are just, it's unfortunate, but it happens. And it has nothing to do with cold tires for that sequence of things. Russell got caught out. He didn't have the best start. You know, and he was just doing exactly as Spencer did, just trying to hold off everybody else a little bit to recover his start and unfortunately collected so in the process. All right. All right. So let's keep going, right? Box seven, fastest pit stop. Who had it? No idea. Can we do box three for a second while I look up box seven? I want to talk about the fact that my man, Mick Schumacher, got points and I didn't jinx it this time. <laughs> Congratulations, Phil. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's all I get. <laughs> you weren't driving the Haas. Oh, geez. Hey, who knew all it was going to take was for 30% of the field to get knocked out and Mick was going to be in the point? Yeah. He, don't give me that. He made it back all the way from 19th on the grid to 8th. And he was battling for 7th quite fiercely. With the reigning world champion, Those were some fantastic last... <clears throat> Lost 20% of the downforce on this car. Uh, just like last year at Hungary, right? Like, he had a great battle with Verstappen and half a car. Yeah. I'll never forget that. Verstappen driving around, no barge boards on the thing anymore. Like, anyone else would have retired it. And he's going wheel to wheel with the Hots. Like, 
It just went to show like how poor that car was last year. It was better this year. It was, yeah. Congrats to Mick. But Phil, I don't think you win box three, the free predictions. Why? Either that or we both get a point because my prediction was that. Well, I think we both get a point. Come yeah, on now. There's going to be Ferrari failures and Ferrari weights and then I Ferrari driver great points. Yeah. <laughs> and that happened. I think we both get a point for yeah, that. Excellent. I agree with you, Phil. Well, you don't technically get yeah. a point. You get the box. But okay, fine. We both win the box. We win a box. Here's the point. interesting though, Phil, because. Well, you don't get a point for the box. That's not how this works. You get a point for a line. <laughs> Here we go into the bickering central, everybody. Because well, actually, Phil, here's the thing, though, right? Because the middle box this week is brushed off. If Russell bends it, which he does, technically, right? He bends it on the first lap. The middle box is open. You've got now two chances to actually win the first actual points on the way that we've set up bigger. You can get a diagonal box or you can get a straight box. What happened with fast? So you asked me for fastest pit stops and I'm going to tell you right now, I lost. Oh. <laughs> it was Alpine. Alpine. It was Alpine with the fastest time of the 2.43. And none of us had Alpine. No. Not one. Absolutely. Not no. <laughs> uh, that's so bad. close. So <laughs> close, man. All right, let's take a look at scapegoats where you had Stenoda, so you do not get a big old point either there. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on. You know, I mean, he did apologize to Gasly for ruining a piece of his race as well, so, you know. Or is that an incident? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I tried, I tried. <laughs> it's the only thing I got I mean, on this one. They had synchronized out of the point pirouette, so congratulations to them. But, but I think Randy actually gets that. He had Gasly down. No, 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 no. No, how does he get that? I actually think that you and I get it, Gareth. I mean, like Vettel legitimately caused an incident on the first start, right? Like he's the one that shunted Alvin to kind of kick off the whole secondary incident that we barely talked about. Secondary incident. Yeah, I mean, he did. Actually, you know what? And you had Ocon who brought out the safety car because his uh, Alpine packed up. I think everybody gets that box except Phil. Why? He's the one that started the pirouettes. I get that too. Don't give me that. God. I swear. Who decided to do a podcast with you three? Seriously. So, um, oh, that's great, guys. And that's box, box, box for another week. Whoa, 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 The lawyers are woeing me. Hold on a sec. The lawyers are woeing me. That's because there's a possibility of at least one of us winning a bingo here. I have won a box, box, box bingo. No, no I have, no, I I have won a box, box, box bingo. I don't know why. No, 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 no. If box, that's the case, box, then I've won yet. one too. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's like all of a sudden box, box bingo is like golf scores. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> hey, but Randy, we haven't dealt with box eight, top five finishers. No, okay, that's right. Box eight, let's talk about the top five. And we should be talking about this because this is the race. Holy jeez. Vamos, man. Vamos, Spence. Vamos, vamos. Hey, look, <laughs> I called it. I had faith in my guy all weekend long. I called signs for the win after I wanted them to convert the pole, which he did. So, I mean, like that kind of faith in our guy, Carlos, is uh, why I won the box and why I got the first line. Box, 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 bingo. Not get the line. We just told you you didn't win the box flying grid. Yeah, it was like four Phil. or five didn't win the box. And you had four out of five does not win the box, Spencer. <laughs> you, gave me, you gave me the box in one for calling science on pole, as you'll recall. No, no, I didn't. Somebody else did. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I only need one, <laughs> Phil. So look, I'm calling the win in box nope. eight on the same basis. 
if that's the case, I'm calling the win for box six, and I've got bingo as well. All right. <laughs> all right. Winner. Winner. If I get a solve and I'm splitting it, Phil, you get Ben, Spence, you get go. That's it. <laughs> well, and and I get the point for the diagonal win. So there we go. Congratulations, you everybody. Do not. <laughs> yeah, I box you six. How do you think of that? Box six, the free play, and uh, box number three. Congratulations to me. Oh, um, actually, yeah, yeah, but we're splitting box six and we're splitting box box Ferrari three. Ferrari so, failures you know. in Ferrari ways to deny Ferrari driver. Yeah, I mean, I got to give you that. I mean, I don't know. That's that's almost that's a given. Yeah, but they didn't. I mean, you know, they got signs to the first place. They didn't exactly. You know, donkey. I'm going to argue that one now. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, Phil. I mean, that is as uncontroversial a take as I've heard. Ferrari failure failed spectacularly in a highly Ferrari way to deny Charles a good result here. I mean, the decision around the safety car, the decision to leave signs in the lead in the first stint for as long as he did. did. Like, look, I love Carlos, right? I really do. I got a lot of time for him. I root for the guy. But I mean, Charles was so much quicker with half the front wing. And, and look, if you go back and review the text chat, I think I told Ferrari to fuck off 18 different times and not to switch the cars around because I was, you know, being a fan. And that was but the like, problem. If they'd switched the cars around, we'd be fine. But there was an epic Ferrari failure. You, you know what? The, the problem is, this is interesting because race car is also a palindrome. This also is a palindrome, right? Because if they switch around the cars and let Charles go first, that is still a Ferrari failure in a Ferrari way, because then they're just failing Carlos, not failing no. Charles, right? It's a complete no, problem. I don't no, think I no, with no. That. The Ferrari failure was to not say from the outset, this is what we're going to do in this scenario, where we are going to put Charles ahead of you. And the dilly-dallied too long. Here's your Delta, drive to Delta. Well, I guess you're kind of there. Drive to this other Delta. You have to do that from the off. Ferrari seems to do strategy by committee. Yeah, I agree with you on that, Gareth. They should have made that call before the race started. They knew what was going to happen. We're halfway through the season. Yeah, The best chance for a Ferrari driver to win the championship is Charles Leclerc. Sainz is too far away to make that a reality. Like Verstappen would have to absolutely mess up absolutely everything pretty much for the next 10 races. And that's not going to happen. So Yeah, he would. And then Ferrari really, they waited too long to swap him around. So they didn't get the kind of, let's call it gap that they ought to have. And then they are double stat gun shy, quite frankly, after their fuck up in Monaco. And they wouldn't trust themselves to do a proper double stack during the safety car. There's literally, there's 11 points between Charles and Carlos in the driver's standings. So I don't know how you call one of those as having a better chance of beating Matt. There wasn't before the race. Oh, that's true. I tend to right. agree with you, Randy, like, if you look at the last, even the last nine rounds, like Carlos has outscored Charles, or they've been pretty darn close. Charles, right. so had I mean, granted a crap ton of mechanical failures. Well, so did Science. Science had two, he said a mechanical failure and he had an off, which was like not of his doing, right? So he said two, I would call faultless DNF. He had one where he screwed up, right? He definitely screwed up in Australia. Charles has had two mechanical DNFs. And he had one off, which nearly cost him a whole ton at Emilio Romagna back in the start of the year. And it just so happens that that was the day when Carlos got shunted by Danny. So I don't think the gap is as big as people think. And if I look at 
how it's felt. Like it's felt like Carlos has struggled. At some point that's going to stop just like last year. And then I'm expecting that gap to close even more. Well, so this is the question, right? Like, is this the Carlos breakthrough, right? Because we've been talking as if Charles is the only one that has a chance to beat or compete with Max, like push past Sergio, which again, I mean, Sergio came out of nowhere in this race. That was wild, right? To show up the way he did. But well, of course, yeah. it's a safety car, right? It's a, that's racing. And like, if safety car doesn't happen, I don't think Checo does what Checo does in particular case. But. Yeah, but that's how Checo does. It's also how he wins secure. Something goes wrong, you're last. And he checkers his way to a top spot. Oh, interesting how you would defend that, but you're not going to give me my Mick Schumacher's points in, in this situation. I gave you Mick yeah. Schumacher's points. You got points. Congratulations, Phil. <laughs> uh, don't be so bitter. No, I'll give you that box and I'll give you the line for sure, Gareth. I mean, that's, I think this first statement's in there. Ferrari totally have backed themselves into a corner again. I mean, if they want to win this world championship, they have to make calls quicker. And they have to be willing Despite to make some of the tough calls. calls I mean, leadership is making difficult calls with limited information, and they have to be confident enough in themselves to do that. All these Formula One teams have many dozens, if not hundreds of engineers and massive computers running all these different scenarios of, if a safety car comes out right now, what do we do? And somebody wasn't vocal enough to say, yes, pit them, double stack them, we can do this. Well, and then if we go with that, then... That gives Gareth a diagonal line, which is two points, which is the first box box bingo points. But then does Bill score anything in terms of a bingo line here? I still think I've got something on the Sonoda one there, too. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's boys. his reason we had a double Alpha Tower's pirouetting around the track. So, Panel, did we give it to him? You know what? I don't, I don't know. Because if we give it to him, then we got to give Spence the diagonal, too. It's just kind of how this goes. Oh, well, actually, you know what that means? It means everybody got a bingo and points this week, except Randy. That sounds great. I'm yeah. happy. I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm yeah, that's, for that. that's a good result. Yeah, okay, yeah. okay. We're in agreement. Yeah. I don't like any of you. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, Box Box Bingo is concluded for another week. I hope you followed it as much as we did. Check us out on Twitter at, at FlippinF1 for the blank box that we hopefully will go up one of these weeks if I ever get my crap together. And you can play along with us and see how you do in your own. I don't think it's Box Box Bingo anymore. It's just Box 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 Bing, as it were. But still, that's good stuff. As the leaderboard stands, everybody's got two except three, which is fine. So let's move on to that's a Netflix moment. And I think there were a lot. Oh, man, there was a lot going on this thing. I mean, this crash is obviously going to be a, a Netflix moment. And of course, like everybody's paying attention to Joe. And Alex, as you said, right, was like getting beaten up like a, uh, I don't even have a good metaphor right now. It's getting bounced around like a ping pong ball. Yeah, yeah, it was, everybody was hitting him. Like, he ran a gauntlet in that accident. Oh, and, <laughs> and he's the one who actually ended up going to hospital, too, for further checks. Okay. Joe went to the Enfield Medical Center and was, you know, subsequently released. So, yeah, the crashes, that'll be a big thing. I honestly think the Netflix moment is going to be what happened between Bernardo and, and Charles at the end. Has anybody seen a lip-reading video? or Has anybody done a, this is what they're saying to each other video? Because I'm wondering. I saw the finger wag. The problem with those two is it could be any one of like three languages and we really don't know even which one they were speaking, right? And each and every one of those languages are incredibly passionate and articulated with their hand signals. So there is no way 
to know whether they were yay or we're going to punch each other's lights out. It could have been very clearly, no, 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 Carlos gets the rosé sauce this week. Sorry, but Carlos <laughs> gets the rosé sauce. But it's Ferrari screwing up in Ferrari ways because that image goes out worldwide and it just looks like the head of the team is running over to say, don't you dare go out there and say bad things about us, even though we screwed this up for you. And watching like the post-race press conference, like Leclerc's press officer, she looked so freaked out every time somebody asked him a question, like, did Ferrari mess up your strategy today? You just see the stress on her face and he'd start an answer and then they say, well, no, the team did okay at the end. I mean, I think certainly for me, I put it in here as the Netflix moment was the Ferrari struggles. Do they, don't they, do they make decisions? Don't they make decisions? It's interesting to watch because I, if I remember correctly, I believe it was this Grand Prix that we recorded last year when I was ranting and raving on Mercedes having lost its corporate culture and identity and ability to make decisions. I mean, you've said that a few times and you weren't wrong. I've said that a few times, but I think Ferrari is also in that boat. And to be honest, since Jean Tot has left and, and, and we were going back to mid-2000s, they have not been able to get their stuff together enough. They're constantly, it's almost a guarantee they're going to make mistakes on a strategy call going into a race. Or something. And I won't lie, when I saw Gareth's bingo note before the race, I almost wanted to put there, yeah, thanks for the foregone conclusion. I mean, you, you almost know exactly what's going to happen, right? So I, I went with the safe money. Yeah, I, I think there's issues there. I mean, Ferrari has not been able to handle itself and it's got to figure out how to manage the drivers, the team to, to get back into winning form. I don't know. I think for me, this one is going to be also the Merck episode, right? Like with, they've created all kinds of drama around how Merck is not performing and then all of a sudden they're going to like, even if it doesn't, it isn't actually real. Netflix turns this into like the Merck redemption episode. Oh, well, I mean, I think Merck, yeah, they will certainly feature in the episode for quite strongly as the, you know, FIA should have put both cars back on the grid. And I, I mean, that's a wrong decision. I mean, he got out of the car. That's a very clear, hard and fast rules. Car is taken back to the garage on a low loader. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. He, yeah. But you know, credit to George. He jumped out of his car to go try to help, um, to go try to help Joe, which is a good thing. So maybe there'll be like, you know, a George Russell hero shot. Standing on the tires like he is. No, uh, you know, I don't think there's no arc for Mercedes this year. We have a Mercedes episode, unless it's just a Mercedes is terrible out, right? Well, I do believe it's quite possible in the second half of the year, they're going to be fighting for race win. It's too far into the championship. They're too far behind. They're not going to be a factor in terms of they're not going to win, right? So I just don't see the full redemption arc for those guys. I don't want it to go this way, Spence, and Phil's going to hate this, but I think this is going to be where Netflix does the whole Mercedes robbed episode, right? Wow. And you're going to go back to Abu Dhabi and... And do the whole Mercedes robbed episode. I don't want it to go this way. How I think are they going to say that though? I think it's going to be a terrible episode, but that's how Netflix is going to play it. Like as a TV producer, that's the story I would be telling, or at least the way I would tell the story. I agree. If Mercedes doesn't have a better score, like they don't actually win a Grand Prix this season. Cause I think at any Grand Prix that they win, they will probably play a card like that. Netflix will probably play a play like that. But I also don't think there's much of a story there to go back. And to be honest, I'm going to say this, and it comes up a little later in one of the comments I wanted to make in what you're talking about, Lewis segment, but people are forgetting last year, sometimes on purpose, right? You know, Crofty and Brundle, this is the first lap incidents we've had at this race since 2014 or something like that, when Kimi Räikkönen was involved. I'm like, 
Were you guys here last year? Did you see Verstappen go straight into the wall on corner seven or eight at Cops? Is that was that lap one last year? That was lap one of the actual race. So I don't think Netflix is going to play that card. I don't think they've got enough of a story on that one. Right now. And I don't know if Liberty want them to play that card. I think Netflix has better producers than you and I that can actually tell the reality of TV stories in a certain way that we would not because, you know, we're a little bit more committed to the real than the reality, right? Because reality is, you know, quotation marks, right? And I still think that's the story and that's how they're going to take this. I see that arc starting to happen now with what happened this weekend. It's just going to be one of those those moments. Are you thinking like Hamilton was robbed because of the safety car screwed up his charge through the field? Is, is that playing into your narrative, Ren? I just see that setup happening. I don't know how it all is going to happen. It kind of occurred to me during the race as I watched, like, oh, this is now going to be the reach back to Abu Dhabi and the attempted redemption story. And hopefully, like for them, I'm sure they're secretly happening that like Mercedes doesn't have the full redemption, but it becomes a big drama of Hamilton getting robbed and they never get back to it. Netflix is weird that way. Speaking of which, Danny Rick is doing his own show, which I'm excited about. You guys read about this? Yeah. Will it be better than his driving this year? Can't be worse. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I like Danny, but come on. Everybody does, but his performance this year is puzzling and I'm sure we'll all go get like Hulu Platinum Plus to watch whatever show he puts out later. I'm not buying another service provider. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Although Google, if you want to sponsor our cast, we're Danny Rick fans all the way for sure. Yeah. Rates are low. Rates are low. Rates are low. Spence, you had a couple quick Netflix moments. Yeah. I think we talked about show flipping, obviously, like that crash will factor into the series in some way, shape, or form next year. I do wonder if they've thought about doing an arc for Joe, just on his own, rookie in the sport. Coming from a country with, I guess, a, a massive amount of potential for F1, where there's a ton of commercial interest in him doing well, and he's bringing a lot of money. Like, I wonder if that's if that's a story they'll tell. I think that's that's something to look out for. I think that's a story they tell if Netflix is going to open up to China, which I don't know that it's going to, right? Remember, like, as far as I know, Netflix doesn't have a presence. It's technically banned, so it doesn't have programming there. So them doing a show story doesn't help that narrative in the way like in the country in terms of growing the profile of the sport thing. so but I, don't, I don't think that's necessary for that arc though, right like i think this is something that i would find interesting like maybe it's just me personally but when you've got a driver from a country that's that large that's got that much interest in kind of what you're doing i mean like that must put an awful lot of pressure on him and I think like watching the development of him as a, a race car driver, but also as a young man, like kind of coming to terms with all of this stuff, I think would be, be quite interesting to watch, even though I, I don't, I don't have any, any particular connection there. I think it would still be an interesting arc for them to look at. Next on Showtime, Nikki, there's a wall there. The Nikki Latifi story. <laughs> um, yeah, well, that, that one's a little closer to home. <laughs> Although I will say, if you're interested in Joe, he was on one of those uh, Formula One, like F1 Nation or Behind the Helmet or whatever podcast recently. Behind the Drive, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, came across as a very like committed, articulate, smart racing driver. It was just very interesting to hear kind of his story. I think he's a great ambassador for Asian racers in general and, you know, grows the diversity of the sport. He's the right person to be there. He is a good performing driver. I, I think 
you know, as Joe's racist this year, I know I've kind of put him in some boxes every once in a while, but Joe's racist has proved me wrong time and time again, all year round, like as like a good midfield racer who... He's stepping up. He's improving. Yeah, like, I mean, every step of the way, he's doing great strides and his driving is, is certainly getting a lot better. And he's holding his own against Bottas actually quite well. So, yeah. I mean, I think there's where I agree with Spence. There is a story there. There is an arc there that can be told. And probably I, I see Netflix wanted to tell that story. Spence, you had a uh, thought too about there being a good mixed storyline that they should be building out. Yeah, well, look, I mean, the only thing that we really know about Drive to Survive for the next season is that there's going to be an episode on Haas, right? Because there is every year because they need every single bit of exposure they can get as a team. So they led Netflix in. So part of that story is obviously going to be Mick as he starts to mature in his second year in the sport, as he goes hunting for his first points and then finally getting them. Look, there's a lot of great television, I think, that happened at the race this weekend with his mother, with his sister. Like There's going to be lots of fodder for Netflix to take that and turn that into a big part of the absolutely forthcoming Haas episode. But do they then also do, you know, near Miss Magnuson? <laughs> but no, like, but no, nobody cares though, right? Like Kevin is an interesting story insofar as he came back to F1 this year at the start of the year. I bet you they cover that in about 15 seconds at the start of that episode. And like Magnuson is a really fun driver to watch. Like he takes no quarter. He seems like a nice enough guy, but honestly, I don't think he moves a needle for anybody. So I don't think there's much there. I think it's like Mick is the story. Mick is the, what everyone pays attention to in that team right now. Yeah, fair enough. The other line in the Netflix Haas episode is, well, we're going to get Kevin back. And Gunther says, I hope he doesn't fuck smash door. (laughs) (laughs) That's basically it. My Netflix moments are what everybody else said. I think those were the, the good or the best moments. Although maybe there's some sort of great Carlos signs, like, Beautiful, happy ending episode for that as well. So I actually think I saw this. I've seen a lot of pictures, a lot of memes. I think there's a great potential like father, like son episode to be had here, right? I mean, I know that Carlos Science Jr. was not there this weekend, but there was a great moment with Anthony Hamilton and Chaco's dad. And I think that to me tipped off. Like, oh, that could be a really fun episode of like that connection. You get that very toxic connection between Joss and Max. And of course, it all culminates with the Mick and, and Michael right and there's a whole thing there that could happen i just again right like if you're looking to attract stories outside of the racetrack and bring in that emotional component that netflix was so good at and has used to grow the audience to an audience that never would have been interested in this giant engineering competition that formula one is those family connections are really great vein to tap into and Netflix, if you use this idea, you're paying us royalties. Like that, that could have paid for your next Grand Prix, Phil. Damn, I know. Darn it. We don't even want Netflix to like pay for Grand Prix tickets. We just want them to pay for the undrunk beer from the Grand Prix. Yeah. <laughs> That'll pretty much do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I really don't know where Netflix is going to go, right? I finally watched a couple more episodes of Drive to Survive and couldn't really stomach it anymore. So I just left. But Well, you haven't finished it yet? Of course not. How do you not know what happened last year? Exactly. <laughs> no, but seriously, you haven't, you haven't watched it? I got a half an episode in when it came out. It was like, a, and then I've kind of, I'm watching Drive to Survive the way Gareth used to watch races. Like, if I've got 15 minutes at lunch, then I'll watch 10 minutes of it. Like, I'll try to finish it before the end of this season. 
but it's just not happening for me. I don't know. There's something about it that I'm just not liking. It was not a great season. And I think we all consumed it simply because it was F1 content in like the dead zone weeks right before the actual season started. I mean, I was watching European truck racing and Australian ute racing. Those can be really fun and interesting, Gareth. I went back to marble racing. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Next segment, penalty props in Stewart Stewart. Give us the flush, Eric. And it is. So, Phil, I know you always got big opinions of this. Who's in the Stewart Stewart? I don't know if anybody's in the Stewart Stewart. There was an awful lot, especially towards the end there of swerving, of going back and forth, protecting the people's races, protecting their spaces and everything like that. The stewards let them race this time, which is kind of novel. There was, especially in the last, I want to say, since the safety car restart, like quite a bit of, yeah, maybe it kind of, you know, you got your elbows out, you ran somebody out of the track. I mean, maybe you didn't leave a racing room. I had watched the safety car restart later in the afternoon because I had to go do stuff Sunday morning. And I was watching that being like, do I check my phone now to see if the stewards had to like redo the order of the race or do I just wait and see? Pro tip, I peeped. It was nice to see them race, but then Alonzo got on his high horse at the end of the race and said, well, I'm expecting fourth because Leclerc was swerving in front of me and that's what he got penalties for last race. And if we think back to earlier races, this- He makes a valid point. He does. Uh, Earlier races, I think this season- didn't Norris or Gasly get like a stupid penalty for not giving somebody racing room at one there's, point in time? There's been a few. There have been a few, right? And this goes back to the consistency not being there. And that's what Alonso has put his hand up in his Alonso way. And he is going, you just know, just like last time they're in Russia, he's going to do something that's like, well, you didn't do this here. You did it here. You didn't do it again. So I'm just going to try to find the biggest advantage in this inconsistency and drive through it. So I think that's the frustrating part is have some consistency and if it's going to be let them race let them race and just make sure that you say okay the white line is the limit of the truck couldn't have said it better myself yeah thank you phil i got nothing for the steward i got no penalty props i got no steward steward they let them race i was happy with it great you're finally acting like an nhl referee nobody wants to see stuff decided by the fia after the fact and thus ends the steward sewer and the penalty props yeah all right so let's go to what you doing, the best radio or broadcast quotes. It's funny. I've made this complaint earlier in the season. I'm going to say it again. I feel like everybody's almost a little bit conservative or holding back. Even like Martin Brundle's breadwalks are giving me life. Those are hilarious and they're brilliant. And like watching him try to interact with celebrities and others who are on the grid that shouldn't be there. I mean, that, that's just that's just great TV. But I don't know. I'm not finding the great one-liners, the great funny moments that like started this segment in the first place. You guys tell me. There's been a dearth of them this year for sure. There's no doubt about it. I didn't think there was any one particular thing that jumped out of me this weekend. But I will say Crofty was commentating like his pants were on fire after that safety car. Like he was very, very entertaining and I, I quite enjoyed. Which is the entire point of having a commentator like him is to get you. Of course. In addition to the racing yeah, up off he, your seat. It was fantastic. A- a- absolutely. I was... Screaming at the TV, which I find is usually a good barometer of how exciting the race was. If I'm yelling at my TV, then yeah, it was probably pretty good. I heard, look, I wrote on the mural, I said, I thought Crofty was going to piss himself. He was so excited. Like when Lewis Hamilton, when he he overtook Leclerc and Perez in the same corner, like I thought, I thought Crofty was going to stroke out on live TV. Oh, uh, right? Yeah. It was madness. Like, I mean, you've heard me quote him, right? 
and through goes Hamilton. Like, wow. And like, it didn't last, obviously, but it was just such a great moment of like listening to a sportscaster just finally go nuts on his sport in the way that he wanted to. I, I loved that. And Crofty's brilliant. It was something. But I don't know. Sorry for swearing, Mick. Was yours? Oh, Mick's post-race radio to the team. He was very excited. And Mick is somebody you don't hear swear on the radio. Like, I think famously, I don't know if it was this year or last year, he actually said, no, bleep, 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 bleep. To which his engineer replied back, yes, bleep indeed. But he actually swore. And then he said, oh, sorry, you guys, for swearing, which I thought was just precious. And it will play into that Netflix story arc about Mick. I mean, there certainly isn't as much radio, I think, as we had last year, for sure. We know that. My one, a couple of takeaways on this one really ended up being Verstappen. Holy crap. I mean, we should be changing the title of this soon because he gets really whiny when his car is not forming. I wouldn't even call it whiny. He gets, he sounds like an angry 12-year-old. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that's such a shame, really, because he's just frustrated. I get it. But man, his engineer whine. puts up. Sorry, did you does. just say he's just frustrated? I get it. He is frustrated. I do get Press it. the button 50 freaking times. But he times. whines about it. Phil, I think you're about to be called out for a massive double standard. Why? It's like, <laughs> Wow. Why? I mean, why? <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay, go go for it, Randy. I'll, I'll stop. No, no, no. I, was, I was actually not going to say anything at all in this segment, and then those words came out of Phil's mouth. What the? So take him, Spence. <laughs> Phil, look, I think that the Max has been on occasion this year whiny. He's complained about his car. Like they all complain about their cars, right? My position on this all along has been when you pay someone 15 or 20 or $30 million to do something, they become a whiny prima donna, okay? Max is no different than anyone else. He's just on the radio a lot more now. He is certainly no more different than Lewis. And we talked about the whiny Lewis thing all last year. Which you were right out in front of. His big, I, I still big, say big he's a whiny guy, but he has toned down his tone this year. Come but, on, but, I gotta give he, him credit. I'm giving Lewis credit here. But, but he, he has toned down he, his tone just a little bit this year. He hasn't. While he's focusing on he's fixing just, a car that's crap. He's just not you know he's just not and, on the radio as much this year. They're not showing it. No. Yeah. Even when he is on the radio, he's not whining about it as much. He is a little bit more thought provocative. And Max has taken over more of the whiny phase. And yes, you're absolutely right. You pay somebody $30, $40 million a year to drive cars around the track, you're going to get prima donnas, unfortunately, I think. But there's a way to say things without sounding like a whiny crybaby. And unfortunately, I feel like Max certainly made that sound this time. I still like Max the same way that Randy still likes Lewis Hamilton. Nothing wrong with that. No, I, I'm going to agree with Andrew and Randy. Um, he can't <laughs> excuse Max's whining. Okay. It's Formula One driver whining. And there we go. Duly noted the next time that anybody else went. Anybody else wants? What do you mean? Brad. <laughs> he's been quiet lately. Again, he's just not been interesting to the TV directors. <laughs> Guys, I think we're forgetting that Yuki Sonoda, for the first kind of 10, 12 rounds he was in F1, you only heard him on the radio when he was absolutely losing his shit complaining about shit, <laughs> telling off his race engineer. This probably would set off this segment, to be honest with you. Like, that was in, some of the fun of it, was just to see what Yuki would do on the radio. In fairness, he cursed another blue streak this race after he and uh, Gasly pirouetted. He was real happy about that. In that non-incident incident? 
Yeah, he wasn't very happy yeah. about that at all. No. Anyways, let's talk silly season, which I don't know. It hasn't gotten quite as silly as I expected it to at this point. But there's not a lot of silliness left. I mean, there seems to be a lot of things in place already for next year. I think we've got the question mark of what's going to happen to Latifi. We know he's losing his seat at Williams in 23. Piastri deal hasn't been announced, but it's as good as being announced. It's a foregone conclusion, really. It, yeah, There's a lot of teams that are making further decisions for some of their things down the line just because of timing. I mean, if you, just, you don't make an engine switch announcement this early in the season. But you don't do right? that. I mean, let's ask the question we've been asking, right? Like, if I'm spending all kinds of money and I'm Sproul's daddy, do I finally just say, you know what, son? Pay your own way or find a ride? I wonder if it depends on Mrs. Stroll's attitude towards it. I got a feeling Lance uh, is a mommy's boy. That's an interesting question. Brad. Maybe. Maybe. Gareth called me a mommy's boy, Brad. I mean, he's not. I mean, yes, we have to question it. But at the same time, he's not far behind Vettel every time. So that's how bad the car is. And that's actually one of my silly season questions is how much garbage does Seb put up with? Well, that's the question, right? I can't see him continuing on another year not having any level of progression in the team. You know, the team's going backwards at a fast rate. I think he takes an Alonso-type break, and so he just goes away for a couple of years, he drives a couple other things, and he comes I back. I don't think he comes back. I don't uh, think he's the type. I've always been a fan of this since he was racing at Alpha Tauri when he came into the sport, but I don't think he's going to... I think when he leaves the sport, he leaves the sport. Tauri when he came into the sport? What were they then? Oh, it wasn't Alpha Tauri. It was, it was Toro, Rosso. Toro Rosso. Started with Toro Rosso and then went to Ripple. Back when the Red Bull yeah. driver system was actually a thing that worked. Yeah. Yeah. What happened to it? Let's not talk about that. Almost walked into a minefield there. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay then. All right. Last thing, boys. I told you about this one before. Everybody gets 60 seconds to rant about something. It doesn't have to be an anger rant, but it is 60 seconds of yours. We get to say what you want to say. It's 60 seconds. It's time. I will cut you off at the end of it and away you go. So. Spence, you're up first. You got 60 seconds. Anything you want. No rebuttals, no responses, no nothing. Starting now. All right. Well, I can't say I'm super prepared for this, but one of the things I wanted to talk about today was Ferrari. Right. What I would have loved to have been on Sunday afternoon was a fly on the wall inside the Ferrari motorhome. That debrief must have been absolutely epic. Charles must have been spinning mad, deservedly so. I don't know how many times he is going to let Ferrari ruin his races for him this year before he starts just absolutely ignoring things from the pit wall. We've seen Carlos this year in great effect question the strategy that's come from the pit wall, pushing back on it and getting results that are better for him. Charles is going to need to start to do the same, but I do wonder how long that's going to be. Wrap it up. Oh, Ferrari strategy sucks. Ferrari strategy sucks. Charles needs to grow up there. That's the takeaway. Good stuff. Gareth, one minute starting now. Go. So I'll start this rant. Somebody else might finish it. Macro level, we race as one. Formula One needs to walk the walk and talk the talk up and down the age limit in the paddock about racism and discrimination between you know, Bernie, who's effectively dead, and Nelson P.K. Sr., who's just an angry old racialist. And then the younger guys who are using terms that 
you, you don't just work those in the casual conversation. Like that's why your Vips is out of the Red Bull racing program. I think the sport needs to look at itself and put some action behind the words. Bill, you get 60 seconds. Go. I'm going to keep this really short and sweet. We got to figure out what the hell is wrong with fans in Formula One sometimes standing there on the sidelines, booing at drivers. This is ridiculous. You know, we had this 10 years ago, not even, with Sebastian Vettel and the crowd booing him. Come on. We're better than this. We're supposed to be a sport. And there's no place for that type of shit. And it ties in with what Gareth was talking about. You know, we've got to move the needle of what's appropriate and and normal. And I'm going to end my time now. All right. This is my time. Similar to what Gareth said, I'm going to go deeper on this, right? Look, even if we accept Nelson Piquet's explanation that the word he used was not a racial slur, but rather meant little brown guy, little black guy, whatever, that adds absolutely nothing to the racing analysis he was trying to do, right? In fact, all it does was try to tie Lewis's ethnicity to his racing style and his racing ability. And it just others. Let's not confuse the issue here. This is an act of racism and it does not belong in our sport and it does not belong in any level of humanity. And F1 needs to act. There's just no excuse for the same canned PR statements. Got it done in a minute. Anyways, yeah, I had to say it. I, there's, there's no way that I could let this one go. I, I was going to let it go. And not, no, don't let it go. It seemed like the same old incident. But don't. then, like, that's what's at stake. Like, it's not the word itself. It was the addition of ethnicity to the racing analysis, which fans... I don't think you've heard from us, right? Like we talk about the drivers, but like we're not tying them to the country they're, they're from or the thing they're from. He never would have said, and I know I'm now going over time, but he never would have said that little Italian or that little German. Although Nelson Piquet probably would have been Nelson Piquet, but he wouldn't have tied it in the same way. Well, anyways, there's the rants. I was on the edge of my seat. I was yelling at the TV. I'd had breakfast. I was sitting with friends. I'd had my four Caesars. And I still didn't fall asleep, you know, at at lap 35. It was great. It was good times. This was, and you know what? I give it to the FIA. Close racing for the first time in a long, long time. Bill, winter wow. You know, I thought the racing was fantastic. It was a blast to watch. Sorry, certainly for the incidents that happened. And I'm glad that everybody is safe uh, at the end of the day. I love the track. Uh, you know, Silverstone's special. That uh, is fantastic. I do not still love the fact that Hamilton has a straight named after him. I think it's absolutely wrong. He's still racing. Name it after him when he retires. And no rebuttal on that one. Ferrari, welcome back to being normal. Uh, you can't make a decision as it comes forward. Looking forward to seeing how that progresses through the season. Somebody's going to get frustrated and there's going to be some door smashing moments for sure. And looking forward to the next race. Red Bull Ring, we're coming on. It's going to be fantastic. Does anybody know how to say fuck not smash door in Italian? Sorry, my Italian's not that good. I thought Steiner was speaking Italian. Oh, maybe. Spence, wind or wow? If you look at my note on the mural for this segment, I said, nothing else matters other than the Ferrari debrief. and And I stand by that. That must have been absolutely crazy to listen to. But we've covered that now. Look. Silverstone was awesome. The crowd was great. The circuit provided some good racing. In terms of the teams, I thought Mercedes showed a lot more pace. I'm 
kind of cautiously optimistic that we're going to see them at the sharper end of the grid for the second half of the year, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. One thing that came across my desk this week was a, a picture of five cars fighting for P2 after the safety car. So there was McLaren, Alpine, there was a Ferrari, there was a Mercedes, and there's a Red Bull. And the caption was, we prayed for racing like this. And the the regulations have brought teams closer together and people seem to be able to follow and it's providing some really exciting racing for us. So hats remain off to the FIA and kind of taking us towards, I think, a better path in the future. And then in terms of next week, Red Bull Ring, always exciting. Looking for a bit of a dust up there. I'm sure we'll see a little bit of mechanical carnage, some quick laps. And who knows? I'm predicting a Red Bull one too, though. I like it. Stacks. Yeah. Uh, dovetailing on what Spence said about the next race, Austria Red Bull 1-2, I mean, they seem to have rebuilt the Austriaic ring as the Red Bull ring with the express purpose of making Red Bull cars perform there. So congrats, Dieter. Then you thought, like, Silverstone is just, it's beautiful. I love watching the cars go around there. I hope to go there someday. And we always have these conversations about what circuits deserve or don't deserve to be on the calendar. I think Silverstone's, and it's always got to be there. It's just so fantastic. My driver thought, your boy, Andrew Spencer's boy, favorite driver, Nick Latifi, with his 12th place finish, is no longer last in the World Drivers' Championship. He was 21st and last behind Nico Hulkenberg, who subbed in for two races earlier this year. And Nico had a 12th place, I think a 14th or something. And with that 12th place and some of his other results, he might have zero points, but he's not last anymore. So congrats, Nick Latifi, on that. Oh, Nicky boy. Oh, my God. And my my future of the sport thought, we've talked about this, it's safety, safety, safety. These crashes, how cars flipped over, learn from it and make sure it doesn't happen again or adjust for the variables that might have caused some of the incidents. Oh, all right. My winter, wow. I mean, I have to agree with everybody, right? Like Silverstone is just brilliant. The racing's brilliant. The overhead shots show that it is an astounding fan experience. Like these guys just get it right. And yeah, fellas, we got to figure out how to do Silverstone. Like it's become a bucket list race for us to do together, right? I mean, not waste our money going to the Canadian Grand Prix on general admission tickets? Yeah, and maybe get Continental to sponsor us for an extra $10,000 or something like that to actually go to a race and for lives, some shit like that. Like we'll figure it out. But like Silverstone is phenomenal. And at the same time, like if you're gonna run a race like Silverstone, put proper directors on the goddamn TV. What the hell? Anyways, I'm gonna complain about this until somebody changes something because it is what it is, and that is gonna get a continual wind of mine. Is TV direction, right? Like borrowed Monaco's directors, that's all. Holy crap. At at times when you could have watched a few replays, like they're just showing crowd shots, which I get. I mean, they're not trying to sensationalize things, but of course, it's such a sensational sport. So that all kind of works in countermeasures. But then like we're watching the last 10 laps and those last 10 laps are crazy. Why are you going to stick replays into the middle of that sequence? What the hell? What are you thinking? Like, just let them race and show the race. Like, there's all kinds of racing happening on the track during those 10 laps. Don't go to a replay. Say, hey, look, we'll get to the driver's interviews and we'll get to get to the podium and there'll be a little bit of delay because we want to show you some replays. But these 10 laps are phenomenal and let's just do this. That's what a TV director does. And I don't know who they've got directing. But um, overall driver team observation, yeah, you know, I really want to know what's going to happen Aston Martin. 
I think this is a team that has a ton of potential to do something interesting in the midfield, and they're just not there. And I, I didn't worry about my McLarens. I always worry about my McLarens. I almost wore, by the way, I bought the Golf Edition hat. They're on sale right now. I was like, oh my God, I'm buying it. So I got the Golf Edition hat, and no, the tag is not coming off. Will shut up. But yeah, it's uh, like, I worry about McLaren. I, I really don't know what's going to go on. And Lando showed up, Ricardo has not, and there's something happening in that car. It's like, guys, figure it out already. Future of the sport thought, and this is the one that might cause a little bit of conversation right here at the end of our cast, is enough is enough already with, and I'm going to misattribute this tweet. I think it was Byron Sullivan who tweeted that, like, we send women to, like, you know, these ultra-taxing things when we send them off to space and we think they can't drive a Formula One car. What are we doing here? Like, you know, Jamie Chadwick has proven that she has gone well beyond the W Series. She killed it again in Silverstone this weekend. And that was a great race, by the way. It was watched by millions of people. And it's still not catching in, in North America. But in North America, there is a market for this race series. And it's phenomenal. And man, that W Series is well worth showing on F1 TV or everywhere else. Like, I would watch that on the lead up to a race, any race. I would watch the W Series probably before I would watch F2, even though I know F2 has a, a thing. But I want to see Jamie Chadwick in an F2 seat and an F1 seat. It's time, fellas. Like, it's time to really break the modern glass ceiling, if I will. Like, give her a test, give her a seat, let her show what she can do. Because she is a phenomenal racer. She's got all of the instincts, she's got all of the styles. She's got that great late breaking style that people want to see. And they want to see her racing against the best in the world because she is one of the best in the world. Like, she's owned this series for three two seasons, seasons now. Like, three. take the next step. Take for three. two seasons. Three seasons now. Yeah, like, take the next step already. Somebody needs to have a pipeline that puts people who are racing W Series into F2 rather than having to have them cobble together a some tin tops, some W Series, and whatever else because you're not going to get an F1 with a, that F2 stepping stone. Yeah. Like, I think WC is great. I think it should exist. I think it is a great feeder series, but a feeder series is only truly a feeder if it needs something. And we need to see Jamie Chadwick, especially being that, that person that moves on to the next and really kind of owns that space and starts to get promoted properly. I know I've been talking about this for both seasons of Flipping F1, but I'm done. Like, Come guys, come on! Like I don't think you get an argument from anybody here. I think yeah. you know she deserves a seat in F two for sure. And I, I was sort of reading through some of the rumor mills, and there is a rumor that she's finally going to get a seat next year in F two. But until we see it happen, I think we've got to keep pushing. We've got to keep pushing for everybody else. There's certainly going to be more women like her that can hold a candle due to any of the guys that drive in Formula One. So yeah, and this is going to sound really funny, but this is where I want to see Danica Patrick team up with Andretti if they're going to put a team together to bring maybe a Jamie Chadwick onto their team if they enter the sport. I think there's a brilliant business opportunity plus a brilliant racing opportunity, a brilliant sport and history opportunity there. Bring it on, man. There is so much potential here. Let's get at it. All right. So let's tie it up. All right, Phil, last thoughts. Fantastic. Looking forward to what's Friday yeah. at the O-ring. At the it's race week. <laughs> Can't believe it's here again. Hey, Spence. Hey, it's race week. Red Bull ring. Let's fucking go. Can't wait. Although it's a 6 a.m. race for me, so I got to start complaining about that again. 
Oh, God. <laughs> you know, I, I swear, at some point, Spence, I'm going to, like, find somewhere in Van City that will, like, deliver you breakfast, and I will just send you a breakfast just because you've been hanging hey, out with us at these 6 a.m. races. Randy, so. it's called McDonald's. It exists. It's very easy. I, I didn't know. I thought you are a little <laughs> bit lower end than McDonald's, but if you want me to I go mean, fancy, <laughs> I will make sure I buy you the hotcakes and the sausage. I was going to say, he's saying McDonald's, and we call him our cultural guy on the show. Hmm. Everybody's got to start somewhere, Phil. That's how this plays. <laughs> Stacks, last thoughts? Lovely race. Looking forward to rewatching it, and it's race week again, so LFG, and I hope I wake up for it. We're not holding our breath. Don't. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'm not sending you a smoothie till like 1 p.m. on Saturday, because that's going to sit on your porch and spoil. So this is... <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's Austria, right? This is another race that we've talked about going to, and I hope it happens. By the way, if South Africa happens, we got to find a way to go. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I no longer have anywhere to stay there. That's my one problem. Yeah, I never had a place to stay there in the first place, but we got to find a way to go anyways. Like, it's holy crap. As always, at F one if you follow us on Twitter, Follow the panel and check us out. Tell your friends or tell your one friend or I don't know if you got somebody that you're like, hey, I'm at a bus stop and I'm listening to these guys. Awesome. And they're good. So you should listen to them. Whatever you do. Believe it or not, I got to give a shout out to the bartender at one of the local microbreweries who followed us the other day. Oh, really? Yeah. She, awesome. She's into it. And so is her boyfriend. And she's like, yeah, I'll tell him. And then she gave us a follow. So thanks, Cindy. All right. I like it. So we now have 10 followers. Yeah. Something like that. I love it. All right. Flippin' F1 is a Hobby Farms production. We're also edited by Eric Wellman, who makes us sound way funnier and way smarter than we actually are. This is us signing off. Say goodnight, boys. Goodnight, Paz. Goodnight. Goodnight from our professor, our technical guy, our culture guy, and I'm your host, Randy. Saying goodnight. See you next episode. <laughs>